and I was on cloud nine, absolutely on cloud nine. And I remember this as clear as if it was yesterday. I got off my bicycle and I was on such a high and I was locking my bicycle because in central London, you have to lock bicycles. <laughs> and it hit me. It hit me like a massive, massive mallet. It was unbelievable, this sensation of responsibility. <laughs> Welcome to Real Unfiltered Dad Journeys. I'm Steve, and I'm the host. This week on the podcast, I have Stuart Mundy from the UK on Real Unfiltered Dad Journeys. Um, He's a dad to three amazing kids. Two of them are identical twins, age 12 and the other is 15. All are girls. He is a PE teacher and a football coach at an English Premier League club. This is sounding pretty good so far, Stu. (laughs) He lives by the sea at Leon Sea in Essex and commutes to London for work. Uh, When I asked him what he is proud of as dad, he said that it is the consistency of both himself and Cruz, his wonderful wife, who grew up around chaos in one form or another. As a couple, they have completely insulated their kids from external fluctuations and are financially and are a financially independent family. Stuart, welcome to the show, mate. <laughs> Hello, Steve. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. Mate, um, it is so cool to be sitting here, and I am really honoured um, that you have you welcome the idea to come on and share your your dad journey, man. Because it's we have known each other. Um, well, it's probably now actually going on almost almost about twenty years now. Um, yeah. Because of when when I met Jonka, my wife, um, mm-hmm. uh, you guys were uh, friends with Jonko. Um, prior to me meeting Junko. So it's got to be 20 or over 20. Um, yeah, yeah. About then. So I, I'm i very excited to hear how your dad journey has been. And and as we said there, you've got three girls. Um, yeah. Wonderful girls, beautiful girls, which I have met as well. <laughs> um, so I... We're going to come let, – let's go back to the – my kind of um, first question here. So when – can you tell us, like, when did it, when did the dad journey start for you, Stu? So it would have, it would have begun um, really uh, late 2007 um, when we found out that we were having a child. Sophia was born in 2008 in February – so the summer of 07, really, um, it begins. And I remember getting the news and I was absolutely, you know, buzzing. I was elated. I was I was 32, 30, coming on 33. Uh, myself and Cruz had been together for quite a while already. And we travelled the world. We had a great social life, wonderful friends. You amongst them and your lovely wife. And we were, we were, we were living a pretty sweet life. Um 
but we wanted to have a child because we felt that we were in a position financially and in our relationship that we wanted to have a child and and, and you know take that next step if you were yeah, yeah. and um i remember getting the news and i rode my bicycle i'm a big cycling fan and i rode my bicycle to the supermarket and it was a beautiful august day or july day and I was on cloud nine, absolutely on cloud nine. And I remember this as clear as if it was yesterday. I got off my bicycle and I was on such a high and I was locking my bicycle because <laughs> in central London you have to lock bicycles. <laughs> and it hit me. It hit me like a massive, massive mallet. It was unbelievable, this sensation of responsibility. Oh, uh, until that point, I was responsible for primarily myself, Mm. Um, obviously, to, to 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 a greater extent, to, to Cruz's well-being as well, because we were a couple. But that was it, really. Mm, um, yeah, and yeah. Boom! It <laughs> it hit me, and wow. the elation the elation disappeared. Um, and it was it was it was terrifying. I was like, "What am I going?" Because I'm the youngest of four brothers. Oh, okay. Young, I didn't yeah, know this. Young, okay. Yeah, yep. I'm the youngest of. Four brothers, and I'm the youngest of all of my grandparents' grandchildren. I was the quintessential baby. And there's an eight-year gap between me and my next sibling. I literally was born in the accident unit. I was not planned in any way, shape, or form. Right, so okay. I had been looked after and, and you know, pampered my entire life. <laughs> And so it came It came as a bolt from the blue, this responsibility that I was going to be bringing another, or with Cruz, we were going to be bringing another human being into the world. And it was our job to provide and to look after her. And uh, we didn't know it was a girl at the time. We never right, right. ever for any of our, for either pregnancy, uh, had the had the sex told us we wanted to know on the day, as it were. Um, okay. So, yeah. okay. So you had, you you were going in blind essentially as, as totally. if it was a boy or girl. Yep. Yeah, and yep. up up until that point, um, I, I don't recollect ever holding a baby. Ah, oh, interesting. So the, so yeah, okay. And so yeah. <laughs> so so <laughs> when insane. when when you got your hands on on your first, that was the first time you'd ever ever held a baby. I I, I genuinely don't really, I, I don't think I ever held a newborn baby ever. I may I had some cousins who had children, and maybe when they were like, I don't know, maybe a year old or something like that, I may mm. have picked them up. But certainly not a newborn. And, yeah, and the whole funny. concept of changing nappies and things like that. I mean, I, I'll give you a little anecdote. My brother works for the NHS and still does, and I phoned him close to the birth of Sophia and I said listen you got you got to hook me up with some latex gloves <laughs> <laughs> and he duly did I, I hope I don't get him in trouble for that he brought me back a box of of uh of latex gloves for changing <laughs> that first nappy and, <laughs> and, and and yeah they they never got used they never got used, no, they got but, used. isn't that, that funny was, how you wanted them though that's so funny how you wanted yeah. them to kind of that, like, be I, like I, yeah yeah I had no concept of of newborn children at all no whatsoever no so yeah it was daunting very very daunting so that's quite funny you really how you remember it so clearly how you were like yeah. so elated how did how did how did you like get the the not like how did you find out was it a message she call you the cruise call no, you no no so um cruise we had we had cruise had an inkling that she was pregnant we went to a concert up at 
Kenwood House, um, the musician Diana Kral, I think her name is. She's married <laughs> to Elvis Costello. And we took this lovely picnic and a bottle of champagne. It was a beautiful summer's London summer's evening, which, you know, I, I, I think you'll agree, are pretty tough to beat when we get it right in the UK. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely, 100%. Right. And um, we lasted about 10 minutes because Cruz just had to keep going to the bathroom. And right. it was like, what's the problem here? She said, I, I don't know, but it, it, it could be an early sign of being pregnant. Right. And I was like, wow. So we, we, we went home. We were only living about 20 minutes away from, from the venue in a cab. So we went home, picked up some pregnancy tests on the way home. Oh, the way- and wow. Then- Okay. Yeah, and then and then Cruz um, used the pregnancy test the very next morning because apparently, you know, that's the the strongest, uh, you know, the concentration of the okay. what it needs to read. Uh, and Julie, she was pregnant that next morning. So I, as I said, jumped up and down and whooped and hooped and hollered, and um, said, "Right, I'm going to buy some breakfast stuff because being a couple living in Central London, of course, we didn't shop." weekly we shopped on the hoof and so i went and bought some some croissants and some orange juice to celebrate mm. and uh, that's when it hit me yeah locking my bike up oh my god what did it can, can i just i want to dive into that what did that kind of feel like though actually finding you, out yeah like well when, when you when when that kind of the reality of like oh my god here it is i'm going to be i'm now responsible i'm gonna be i will be responsible we will be responsible for yeah. another life like that kind of hit you. Yeah. <laughs> what did it like? Did you literally just like, like you, you as you're locking your bike, you're like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I was lucky, and we'll touch on this later on as well, no doubt. I was very lucky. I had a great role model in my dad. Um, mm. Not everybody has a dad around, and my dad was very hardworking, great family man. The family was everything for my mm. dad. So I had a good blueprint. I had a good sort right. of idea. Unfortunately, my father passed away in 2001. So he wasn't around for, for, for you know, consultation or anything like that. But he, 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 he was a man by doing. He didn't have to be a tough guy or mm. mega rich or anything like that. He just yep. did. He provided. Yep. And um, he did have some issues. But, you know, no one's perfect. But in terms of a role model for being a father, I couldn't have asked for a better role model. He went to work. He provided. He paid the bills, you know, as did my mum. My mum worked as well. Um, but he was he was a good role model. So I, I just basically, to the greater ex- extent, just copied him, really. Um, plus my, my grandfathers as well. I had two grandfathers that were, were family orientated as well. Um, but, yeah, so that, that's pretty much what I did. I rolled my sleeves up and got on with doing what I was doing. <laughs> did you ever want to be a dad? Did you ever think um, about this? Yeah, I, 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 I think I did. I mean, I think everybody, you know, certainly, and, I, and I'm working a very male-orientated business. Even the education establishment I work at is is male, is, mm. is, is not co-ed. And obviously football, I know it's changing, but football is very male-orientated. And yeah. football and sport in general had been my life since I was maybe six or seven years old. I've been involved in competitive sports since six or seven years old. So everything everything was was male-orientated. And I think it, all men think to themselves, oh, maybe if I had a son, they might be able to do this or whatever. I never dreamt in a million years that I would have a daughter, ever, not mm. once. And, I, and, I, and I, we had Sophia, and then obviously we had a buy one, get one free. So... Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> ended up yeah. ended up with uh, right. three. But yeah. I think that is that is it. That is an indication of the universe balancing out because I'm the youngest of four sons, so it m- makes perfect sense that I have three daughters, really. But uh, yeah, it that is, is what so it is. Cool. That is <laughs> so cool. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? How like I. I was the reason I always ask that I, I like to ask that question is like, did you ever want to be one? Because I, for me, I, I didn't, I don't think I ever really thought about it. Hmm. I never, it kind of just, I don't know. It was something that I didn't, I didn't have, have a huge burning desire to um, be a dad. I didn't sure. have, have that. And yeah. Um, but of course I am. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought, and I, and I always think, well, you know, I can't be alone in this. It must be like others who are kind of in that kind of zone where it's just, it's, of course it just happens. I mean, um, and, and we were very, very lucky, very blessed and very fortunate, um, to, to have uh, two children. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, yeah, it was never really on my radar. Like no. it was just like, and I, I never really thought about it was as, as, as I kind of got older, it was like getting even married was like, like, oh, like, <laughs> am I, like, like, you know, that, that was, that was the first hurdle. <laughs> 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 um, and then, and then came the second one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is like with the word, the word dad, I mean, so we're going to come back to your dad here, I guess, um, because what does what does it mean to you? What does the the word dad? What does it mean to you? Like, what's that? The breakdown of that? I think first and foremost, it's 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 a provider, somebody that you know provides for others, um, a, a, a protector, if you like, a facilitator. Um, just you know. You have to be a little bit of everything, don't you? When you're a, you're a parent, um, but mm. a dad in particular, there's a lot of there's a lot of onus on on men to be, you know, the perfect dad. But I don't really know what that means because every child is different, every man who becomes a father is different. But I think what what is consistent is you have to provide, um, mm. and and I think lots of any any male of the species or the vast majority of the male of the species can can provide a you know semen to to fertilize an egg mm-hmm. but it it takes a grown up to be a dad you have to be you have to be a grown up and mm-hmm. and unfortunately in life and we we all know people who have gone through it my wife for example they had the misfortune to be you know, fathered by somebody who wasn't a grown up and, and mm-hmm. couldn't and and did what they had to do. Um, so for me, it's about being consistent, providing, uh, protecting, uh, and facilitating. Really, you know. Um, yeah. But I think pro- the providing is it, provider is probably the biggest one because you have to provide. You know, it's it. Yeah, I, that's kind of the the word provide. I think a lot of guys would kind of resonate with that, and I do as well, because mm-hmm. I think it's. Um, if we like for you the word provide, if we were to kind of pull that apart more, because I think it's like, what is it? What is it that is it like? Was it quite a complex thing, isn't it? 
like mm. as dad like you you talk about kind of providing you know again right going right back to the to square one like okay providing the semen to to create um mm. to bond with the egg right so um but a lot of that a lot of the sometimes there can be a lot of pressure on dads to actually provide yeah. and they don't quite know how to provide. They don't really no. don't know. There's, there's perhaps has, hasn't been any kind of like um, role model in their world to kind of like define this. And so they've just been kind of finding their own way, which is, which can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for you, like you said, your dad was like, I guess that was a pretty good blueprint to run by. Yeah, um, my 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 dad was so my dad when I was a kid. So before I was born, my dad uh, trained as a London taxi driver. He did what's called the knowledge here in the UK. And to give you an indication of what that entails, it takes about three years, and you have to learn uh, over twenty thousand routes within a six mile radius of Charing Cross Station, which is technically the centre of London. And you have to learn them by route. You have to yeah. learn them by heart. And so whilst working full time and without a motorcycle, which is how most people train to do the job, my dad had a bike and learned them as songs. So he would sing these songs in his head and all of the appearances, and they're called appearances where you're exam, and they're oral examinations. And you're at any of those 20,000 routes, you can be asked a question on in a that room. Is mental. That is it's absolutely crazy. mental. It's crazy. And it's been proven that they, they grow an extra part of their brain, London taxi drivers. Never tell a London taxi driver this because they, if they're chocolate, they'd eat themselves. They think they're the best in the world because they are the best <laughs> in the world. Right? But, but don't tell them that they've got a bigger brain than anybody else because they will already know. But, yeah, they already know this. <laughs> yeah. So whilst working full-time as a truck driver, he was delivering uh, meat of all things and learned to speak Cantonese because lots of his clients were – uh, Chinese restaurants in London. So he learned very rudimentary Cantonese. This gives you an indication of this guy's sort yeah. of like mindset. Um, he set about learning these routes on a push bike and with an A to Z and then learning them as songs because the pay and the money and you can pick when you work kind of thing suited him yeah. better because he had a he had a third child coming along, which was me. Um, and so that gives you an indication of his selflessness and his determination. And he was an incredibly talented um, artist, my father, he was a real talent. You know, he could make furniture, he could paint with oils, he could sculpt everything. And he turned down a place at art school when he was 16 um, and joined the army, of all things, and mm-hmm. then um, learned to be a mechanic driver in the army and served for a few years and then left the army and then always gravitated towards vehicles and mechanics and stuff like that. But he was a very, very talented artist, of which I am not. I don't have an artistic bone in my body. <laughs> everybody, everybody says you, there's, an inner, there's an inner artist in everybody. I assure you there isn't. There isn't one in me. But my, bro- my, my, my brothers are all quite good artists. And one of them who lives in Brighton um, is a semi-professional artist. He, he paints and sculpts and sells, it to, sells his work to, like, wine bars and, and stuff like wow. that. Um, but, yeah, but my dad... Always put family first. He was always he worked. He always worked six days a week. Um, so he'd have one day off a wow. week. He'd have one holiday a year, which was a week, and we'd invariably be in the UK um, because it, it was all about 
paying the bills. He had a pathological fear of debt, um, mm-hmm. which was unfortunate because my mum didn't have a pathological fear of debt at, at all. Right. Um, okay. and, 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 and enjoyed credit cards and store cards uh, greatly. She always paid them back eventually. But um, her mindset was completely <laughs> different to my father's. So, yeah, he he worked hard to keep the wolf from the door, basically. He was a post-war baby. He grew up in Islington in, in central London after the Second World War. Right. So he lived through rationing and, and, and various things. And I was telling a story. So my kids, we, we went to a party on a Saturday, a Christmas party in Knightsbridge. Friends of ours worked for the Danish embassy. And they have a Christmas party every year. So we went along. And so we drove and we drove around the North Circular. And there's a place called Neesden, which is in northwest London. And when I was about 10 years old, my father packed us all into this taxi, London taxi, iconic black vehicle. And, and he said, we're going for a day out. And it's like, well, where are we going? And we went to Neesden, right? <laughs> and the reason we went to Neesden is the biggest supermarket in Europe was opening on that day and it was a Tesco superstore. This is long before we knew what superstores were. Out of town superstores didn't exist. It was all little corner shops. And he took us to this supermarket and it had 44 checkouts. That's how big it was. And he was completely blown away by this. And we were standing there like, what on earth are we doing? You know, this is madness. You're taking us for a day out to a supermarket. And my mum pulled me to one side and said, you've got to understand your father grew up in an era where the food he ate was controlled by the government. To be in a Mm. building where everything is available at any time, day or night, is blowing his mind. And so I I kind of got it then. But, you know, he was a a provider and and he was a great man. He was uh, a big kid in the nicest sense of the word, loved children um, and and was the best travelled man I've ever met uh, but never went anywhere. He learned everything from books. He, He would sit... And have a conversation with you, Steve, about Osaka. He, he, he had that kind of level of intellect. He yeah. would know the ins and outs of. But you, you're a like, bit like that as well, I find, Stu. Yeah, because totally, I remember you, yeah, you are, no, like yeah. the, the amount of conversations we had when we were back in London. Like you'd be like you were like this walking historian, like you know, and, and always like always like, highly inferior because like I have no. What is he talking about? Like I have no idea. That you could be just rambling bollocks for all I know. Like I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't know at all. Yeah, no, totally. Guilty as charged. <clears throat> yeah, I am. Um, I am a sponge. I pick up information and I, I enjoy. I enjoy learning, and I don't know if I, I don't know if I told you, but lots of people when they get to their early forties, they have affairs or they start using cocaine or they have yeah. you know a Ferrari on the drive. I did a degree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I took a I took a history degree over right. over over five years with the Open University and right. loved every minute of it. And people saying, "What are you doing a history degree for?" And it's like, "Well, why wouldn't I do a history why degree?" Why wouldn't I? Like, do you do you know me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so you know, lots of people were like, "You're mad. Why are you doing that?" And I did it purely and simply for my for my own benefit. And and yeah. basically, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And. And as you know, I am a mine of useless information. So yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's all useless, mate. There's a lot of good stuff there. There's a lot of good stuff in there, mate. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I am. I am very much my father's son when it comes to things like that. And being the son of a cab driver, you know, in central London, especially, you do learn the ins and outs of everything because you know that's your job. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, what, like, okay. What, like, as, as, as dad, I think we, um, we have, like, I've had challenges, um, being dad and, and I'm, and I'm going through a challenge now being dad trying to find a, sol- find solutions to the problems that we have. Um, and, and it's different. It's tricky. It's tricky mm. because, uh, I think sometimes we kind of feel like we've, we've got to solve these problems. We've got to solve, we've got to fix them. I do anyway. I think I think I don't know. What do you what about you? Do you feel like you have to as dad, it's like there's a some kind of onus on you to be like, okay, it's like this is on you, Stu. Like you gotta yeah. like, because yeah. you're the you're you're the dad. Do do you sure. do you ever feel that? Do you have it? Yeah, totally. I think I think every 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 rational person does feel that. And I think there is a lot of pressure on 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 men to be perfect dads you know and so have the answers to everything and you have to realize you can't be good at everything you can't do everything i'll give you an example my wife who is lurking in the corner of the kitchen now trying not to make a noise she she would ask me to do certain things i'm talking about diy here there's a lot of emphasis on men to be good at diy i'm not i'm shocking (laughs) because i've spent (laughs) i've spent 49 years working out that i'm really bad at doing things like diy and so you know we we get a professional in but you know for some men that would be the end of the world that they couldn't Mm. do something but my father for example he would never have called a tradesman he would have done it himself because he was geared that way he had that mindset and that skill set but you know, if you uh, if you put him in a in, in a football field with forty kids and and ten footballs, he'd run a mile. But that's my skill set. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. It is horses yep. for courses, and I, and I think there is a lot of pressure on men. And I think how do you men... do, how do you deal with it, Stu? Like, how do you kind of work through those kind of like and, and come through the other side? Is there anything? Yeah, that... well, I mean, bitter experience of trying to put shelves up and things like that using, a, you know, a little bit of a, a of a joke. But you just have to rationalise what you're good at and what you're not good at. And mm. and what's very important is you you communicate with with your partner or your friends or whatever. I am very lucky that I have a wife who is very pragmatic and very sensible, uh, and will tell me to pull myself together, and she'll get on and do it because she's she's good at certain things. And so for us, it's teamwork. And also, I have I have some very long-standing and good friends that I can I can call upon and, and ask advice, or you know, in some cases, they will help us out. For example, yeah. but yeah, it is just a case of not taking on too much, really. And I think mm. if you look at the suicide statistics mm. for for men between twenty five and forty, which is mm. the age when most people become fathers, yeah, that that bears it out, doesn't it? I mean, the the suicide rates are, are terrible. Yeah. I mean, let's like that is that's a that's a real thing, and I think yeah. that like, um, I'm I'm not I don't I haven't done huge amounts of research on this, and I and I I don't know kind of the again the stats on this, but what I what I do know definitely is that men are not we're typically we're not very good sharers of if we're if we've if we're carrying a load. And this is not to diminish the load that our wives carry, because our wives yeah. carry an immense load. Um, and I and I think that like we also carry a load, and I I feel that that's not talked about 
hmm. because we don't quite know how to talk about this. We're not very good. We perhaps weren't exposed or, or, or shown how to do it. And like, for I mean, my, my, my kind of story is that I, I didn't, I never saw my, I never saw my dad cry. I never mm -hmm. saw my dad show any emotion. Um, and I, I think the first time I really saw my dad cry, properly cry, um, was about three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, when I went back home and I went back home because I, I, this is when I burnt myself out. I think it was the um, the first when I hit the wall, burnt myself out in 2019. And I I went back home uh, with Josh. And I think it was then, or, or it was the following year, one of the two. But I'm, um, and I, for the first time, I saw him like actually show emotion. And yeah. I, and what was for me, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm blaming my dad on this. No. I'm not like made it really clear. Like I am, I am who I am, and and I, I can make my own decisions as to whether I want to cry or not. Right, mm -hmm. but I just didn't. I just didn't, and I just had so much uh, caught up, and and I, I was suppressing so much um, of the the life that I what had gone through um, since Jeremy was born. Mm -hmm. And the challenges of of work and running a business and all this kind of shit was just like piling on and just pushing everything down. Yeah, and I didn't even know, didn't even realize what it meant to kind of actually really talk to someone because like me and Chuck have a, an amazing relationship, but you know, I think like a lot of dad, a lot of dads, they don't feel like they can unload on their wives like that it's not sure. it's not like um because these things that just just can't you, i just feel like just can't so like like coming back to you like how do you how do you kind of get through it with the load that you carry to kind of be the dad that you want to be Stu? like mm -hmm. day in day out we all go like yeah how, how do you do it well, firstly, referencing your dad, very fine man, who myself and my wife have met many times. Yes. Um, good Kiwi stock, originally from Stepney, obviously. Yeah, that's um, right. I, my father was the complete opposite. My father yeah, would right. cry top of a hat. <laughs> it was right, very, interesting. Okay. very, very in touch with his emotions, negatively right. and positively. So he was very, he had a lot of empathy and he was very loving and he was, he was quite emotional and, and reflecting you know, a post-war boomer generation man who worked in a very blue-collar industry uh, and lived in a very blue-collar part of town, as it was, he was very, very in touch with his emotions. He he understood, um, you know, when he, when he was sad, he understood why. He did, I think, suffer with depression uh, uh, to, to a lesser extent, but mainly because he worked nights. He, worked, he was a night worker for 33 years, which, you know, wow. takes a lot on. But in a funny kind of way, working nights was kind of therapy for him as well because whatever was going on at home and it was a busy household and we had some issues as a family. One of my brothers um, suffered with addiction 
And another one of my other brothers was was struggling with his sexuality. He he came out as gay when he was seventeen. Um, so there was a lot on him. Um, but he dealt with those things very well, and he always gave people who made mistakes the benefit of the doubt. He he very much believed in people can you know should have a second chance. Um, so he had a lot of empathy in that way. But I, I think with me, um, I'm very I'm not one of these men that boxes things up. Um, I, I'm, I'm quite open with my emotions. I share a lot with Cruz. She's very resilient, like I am, and we talk stuff through. As I said, I have some good friends that I talk to, and my work. I love my job. I love what I do. I love working with young people, and I love sport. So my work is also, if you like, something that helps me through difficult periods and, and difficult patches. Um, so yeah, it's just a case of communicating, really. I mean, you have to, you have to communicate. And as I referenced earlier, being in a relationship, whether it's a marriage or whatever, it is teamwork, isn't it? You have to, you have to, you know, rely is, on yeah. each other. And and geographically, we isolated ourselves in 2009 when we moved here. My mum was living here, and that's why we moved here. We're 40 miles out of where we're from, so it's mm. not. Not the other side of the world like you do, but um, <laughs> for us it was we 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 were forty miles from any family, and within nine months of us being here, my mum very sadly passed away. So we was mm. on our own, um, and so the way I dealt with that was to knuckle down and get on with working. Um, but for Cruz, she was here with a with a small child, and it was a case of building networks and and friends through you know toddler groups and stuff like that. Because our first instinct was to go back to London. And we could have gone back to London, but mm. we decided to stay. And the only way we got through that was communicating, communicating with each other and communicating with friends and, and family members. Um, so I think that is key. The, the uh, and, and men traditionally are not very good at it. Yeah. Uh, and, and there can be pressure. Yeah. Do you see yeah. it? Like, I mean, yeah. with, 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 with guys around you, do you see guys who you think like can you see the struggles like can you see them yeah can you like, totally. like whether, whether it's friends or just people passing an earlier world can can you see it yeah totally I, I, i'm I, a, a very very good friend of mine i've known him for over 30 years he's coming to stay with us on 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 friday and we've become somewhat of a refuge for him they're going through some issues with their daughter, she's been diagnosed with autism and she has anxiety issues. She's not, she, she's unable to go to school at the moment. And he's a stay at home dad because mum has a job that pays well. So they communicated, they decided that he would quit work. He used to work with me part time. And so he's a stay at home dad and, and he, he wears it. I mean, you can see it. You can see it on his face. It, it's all over his face that he is stressed and frustrated and depressed. So, he comes to us maybe once a month, sometimes a couple of times in a month if the weather's good. And he just hangs out. We watch films, we listen to music, we'll go and have a pint, we'll watch football. We're, we're very lucky here. We've got lots of venues where you can go and see live music. So we'll go and see a band. He's a wonderfully talented self-taught musician. So music helps him as well. But he really struggles with with the stress of, of his situation. Mm -hmm. And so we become... Uh, a, a vehicle for him to come and just, you know, blow off a bit of steam, really, uh, as much as you can when you're in your early 50s. <laughs> but, uh, you know, 
it, it's not like it's not like going, you know, to Soho when we was in our early twenties, you know. But it, it, it's, still, it? it's still cool to it's cool to hang out and and, and he just you know unplugs for a day or a day and a half or whatever, you know. So. I, I I think that is so important. I think that is something that um, I love talking about these kind of things, Stu, because I I feel that yeah. like um, it's and I, and I I know we talk a lot about the dads on yeah. on the podcast. Um, and I am so mindful uh, that women and mums have struggles with this as well because yeah. and they are not alone with this. Uh, what I what I'm trying to do here is I I I'm very keen to kind of give the dad the platform to mm. be out there because and and for other dads to be able to hear it as well. That's why I do this. And I think that it's um and I've totally lost what I was gonna say after saying that. Um but I think it is. I'll I'll go back to I'll come back to it. We'll come to it in a minute. But I think it's wonderful, and I think it's really awesome that you guys have stepped up and you've helped them out because I think that yeah. that is golden. I, as you were telling me, as you were telling that story to me, I I I, I kind of get. I got you know like the the tingles, the 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 shivers. I don't know what we want to call it, but. When when something emotionally connects with me, and I mm. and because I know how hard it is, yeah. I I know that it is fucking rough. Mm. I know that as dads, um, society still has a long way to go for us to kind of be uh, real in a way. Um, yeah. And it, and it is challenging for dads, some dads, not all dads, um, to be in those situations. But to have you guys to be able to kind of come over and like decompress and be away yeah. from that world of uh, anxiety and stress and worry and just totally unplug yeah. uh, is really vital. Um, yeah. Because as... as as myself, as you know, um, Jamie's Down syndrome. He's he's on uh, the autism autism um, autism spectrum, um, and and it's and it's really tough mm. because things don't things are not typical, and no. so it, it creates an extra layer of um, it's it's it can be already tricky, and it yeah. just makes it. A little bit more tricky sometimes really Absolutely. tricky yeah a hundred percent um and you know we are very fortunate we have three healthy uh kids and 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 our our, our task was to as, as i referenced to and you referenced to in the introduction was to just give them a just give them a a, a level playing field so that they can be the best of you know get on with being kids i remember when the twins were about two years old, a friend of ours, uh, her children do modeling, you know, cute little babies, you know, modeling nappies and various things. And she, she said, you know, the twins are identical, they're cute, you know, you, you can make a few quid. And I'll never forget, you know, and I, I and the thought of that just terrified. I was like, absolutely not. What are you talking about? And she said, well, yeah, you know, it's a good way to make money. And I said, you know, my kids are going to be kids for such a short space of time. Mm. I want them to be kids for as long as they can be, you know, 
because yeah. you're gonna, you get, I mean, certainly in the UK, you're going to be working well into your seventies, you know, paying for all the nonsense that's gone on in the last twenty years. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it was a complete anathema to me. I, was like, I couldn't think of anything worse, you know. And luckily, yeah. both me and Chris work, and we're healthy. We have no health issues with any of us, you know. So we're able to do that. But there is pressure on men to you know to, to to be this perfect dad and there is there is no handbook you you kind of make it up as you go along mm. and if you're fortunate enough to have had people in your life who are good role models uh, you know that can make it a bit easier mm. but then you get people and I, and I grew up with people I'm married to one who <laughs> grew up in complete chaos I mean complete chaos mm. and they somehow plot a way through and they they break the cycle and and in the part of London we grew up in the breaking of the cycle was was poverty to break that cycle of poverty you know families three or four generations of families on benefits mm. to, to to figure a way out of breaking that cycle is unbelievable um but some people do it and it's just the case yeah. of using your skill set to the best of your abilities but for me, the key is to communicate negatively and positively, mm. to praise people, to to help people, you know, and it, it's so vital. And, and I was blessed that both my parents, my mum in particular, were, was a communicator. She she believed wholeheartedly in keeping the lines of communication open at mm. all costs, because otherwise, you know, that 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 leads to madness, you know. <laughs> You yeah. know, yeah, for real. When people are when people are not communicating and and guessing and 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 trying, you know, you get situations like we have at the moment in various parts of the world. Um, so communication is key, I think, in in all aspects. It is, it is, and it's um, and that again is like, I mean, that's there's there's so much there, isn't it? Because communication, like. People are like, yeah, we. Everyone always says, yeah, we we great, we talk, we we yeah, we're we're good, like yeah. And, but there's, but there's always, there are always things that like, you know, I don't know, like there's always these things that you just think, oh, I don't know, should I, <laughs> like, I don't know, like me and Jugger, we have a, we have an amazing relationship and we literally can almost read each other's minds mm. a lot of the time. Um, yeah. But we have, we absolutely I, I have my downfalls. I have so many of them. Um <laughs> and you know, and I um and she and she just absolutely, you know, uh you know, sometimes she'll highlight them, sometimes she won't. Um and we, we kind of get through and, and Yeah. And it's it's a it's a partnership. Um and it is absolutely working together. Hmm. What is your dad's superpower? What 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 do you think that is? Like, what do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, as I said at the beginning, you know, I'm just regular Joe. But I think the superpower, not just what, what would your kids say if you if I was to ask your kids and, and said, that, I, okay. I asked them this. Yeah, I asked them <laughs> this. Yeah, no, I, we did. We so one thing's really important to me, and, and Cruz never grew up with this, but I grew up with this. I grew up with a with a with a dinner table. Right. Okay? And we'll sit around at least once a day and have a meal together. Mm. Not everybody has that in their lives. I found mm. out later on. Lots mm. of people don't have that. But I had that. So whatever was going on 
at any given moment in the world, it was talked about around my dinner table. And we spoke mm. about everything, politics, sport, religion, the whole nine yards. And so that's really important for me as a family. I insisted we have a dinner table. Not that Cruz was in any disagreement. She loved it. And when we first got together, she used to come and have dinner with my folks and we'd all sit around. People used to come to my house for the first time and they couldn't believe, I how much food we ate. You know, there was there was five men in, in the house. Uh, and B, how much we talked whilst we were eating. But anyway, that's, <laughs> that's But um so I asked my kids this, what's my superpower? And they were all in complete agreement, my cooking. <laughs> they, oh, fantastic. Yeah, I love that to cook. That is awesome. I love it. Yeah, I love to cook. But we, myself and Cruz, we discussed it later on when they got to bed. And I, I think my superpower would be consistency, that ability to get up, do it again. Um, because life does, you know, throw you curveballs. It does knock you over sometimes. And the way I deal with it is is through consistency, is through getting up, keeping the routine. Um, when my mum my passed away, not suddenly, she got a terminal diagnosis 10 weeks before she passed away. But I dealt with it in a very stoic way. I said everything I needed to say to my mother before she passed away. We were, on, we were in a good place. One of my brothers, he went into a complete tailspin, which resulted in him going to prison. Uh, not for the first time. He'd had a checkered past, um, but he just couldn't he couldn't deal with it. And he started to to use drugs again and ultimately ended up in, in, in prison about, about 18 months after she passed away. But that just gives you, you know, we've got the same DNA. We've got the same. Mm. I once bought, you know, those ancestry DNA kits. Oh, I don't know. I don't know these. What are these? This is something new. I haven't heard right, of these. So you, you, you spit into a tube and you send it off and they tell you where you're from in the world, right? Oh, wow. And I bought one for my brother, for my eldest brother. And my my middle brother, who is not blessed with the greatest grey cells, he said to me, why didn't you get me one? And I said, well, because it's going to be the same results for all of us, you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you know that's what I was dealing with. But anyway, he um, yeah, he he dealt with it in a completely different way. Whereas my other brothers, they dealt with it in the same way as me, which was to just keep the routine, get up, go to work, come home, play with the kids. You know that was the way I dealt with it. Um, so yeah, I think consistency, my ability to be, you know. On, on parade every morning, despite what's come your way. I mean, mm -hmm. that, I think that's probably my superpower, the ability to be there and getting the job done despite of whatever's going on. And, you know, the only way the only way I can do that is because I'm supported by a very, you know, strong wife, partner, whatever you want to say, in Cruz. So she she gave me the foundation, really, um, to be able to do that. And, and likewise, I, I do it for her with, with her family. So, yeah. Yeah, wow, that's a that's an that's a really funny story. Actually, that's quite funny. <laughs> but we we kind of knew what our results were going to be because I, I, I'm I'm British but of Irish descent, so lots of my right. ancestors are from Ireland. Um, but Cruz is one, and Cruz was like, "Mine's going to be totally boring. It's going to be really, really boring." And we knew that she had a distant Jewish grandmother, great grandmother, who came from what is now Czech Czech Republic. But anyway, you get this email and you open it and there's a map. And on the map, there's all these little things flashing to show where you come from. And Cruz's family are all seafarers. They're uh, chief engineers, dockers, et cetera. And so 
Norway, Scotland, Ireland, England, and this Czechoslovakian, uh, Czech Republic bit we knew about. Anyway, there's an arrow saying, scroll left, scroll left. And Cruz, who's telling everyone, mine's going to be totally boring. She's descended partially from this First Nation tribe in Canada who, uh, I know, you couldn't make it out. I'm, I'm, I'm married to Pocahontas. Who knew, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she scrolls across and she's descended from this tribe of uh, First Nation people from Newfoundland in, in modern-day Canada. Wow. It's both bizarre, you know. Who knows? Uh, you know the human story. <laughs> I didn't know this at all. This is, this no, is not is she. Not is she. So yes, she's. Uh, it's a very small part, but it was pretty yeah, cool yeah. when we opened the email. It was pretty oh, cool. Mine, sure. was, mine was cabbage, potatoes, and bacon, and she's you know First Nation tribe from Canada. You know, it's like right. Cheers. <laughs> oh man, what? It's. Do you feel like? Becoming a dad, um, we can be tough on ourselves because how what we've gone through, right? Because I mean, it kind of ties in a little bit what we were talking about before. But if you think about yourself before you became a dad, yeah, you, are you tougher on yourself now, or than than what you were, or the same, or is there any difference? Yeah, I think obviously the first thing you figure out really quickly when you become a parent is hangovers and young children don't mix in any way shape or form okay so for me i'm I, I, I drink okay i'm not an alcoholic but i like to have a drink and when i was younger i liked to have lots of drinks and go out and listen to music and whatever so that changes so my self-discipline certainly uh, has changed i'm mm. more disciplined in what i do but that all lends into consistency mm. and being an adult more than being a dad um and yeah. obviously you know having a career and whatever um, so yeah, I, I, my self discipline, I think, certainly mm. improved. Tougher on myself, maybe a little bit, but not to a greater extent. I've always had relatively good discipline. I've always been, you know, a sportsman. So you you tend to look after yourself and, and keep mm. yourself in, in, in good nick. Um, but no, I don't. I don't think markedly. Um, the big game changer was when when we had twins. That really mm. was. Yeah, oh, Craig, that was insane. Yeah, <laughs> and with Sophia. The first three years of Sophia's life are beautifully documented, clear memories. Um, you know, <laughs> I can remember almost every detail. Yeah. But the twins from zero to say two, nothing, complete blank. It's just, it's yeah, it's just because you're just you're just literally firefighting, really, aren't you? You just yeah. you were trying to just just living from one hour to the next or one day to the next, like this. Yes. It's, yeah. Yep, that's exactly what it's like. Huh? And, I mean, and, I don't, uh, I don't know what it's like to have twins. I'm just, I'm just kind of imagining when, when you have a, when you have one child, what it's yeah. like, and then doubling that plus adding more. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. already I mean, having another child that's like three years old. <laughs> yeah, so we, we went, we went uh, at the age of thirty-two. I had zero children. Okay, mm. when I was thirty-five, I had three under three. Yeah. That was a busy time. <laughs> <laughs> so consistency was very important. And again, you know, a, a lot of sleep deprivation and various oh. things. But, yeah, it was uh, fun. Some parts of it were great fun. I think that's yep. another thing nobody tells you when you become a father is just how much fun it is and can mm. be. It is mm. unbelievably hard and terrifying and daunting 
but man, is it fun as well. And I think that's something that we really, really need to celebrate is just how much fun being a dad can be. Yes. What, what, what like, what, what, can, can you think of like the just recently, like this, uh, some, some kind of like fun thing that you really did as, as dad with, with the girls? Like, what was, can you, can you think of anything just like, it could be, you know, just, it could be, it could be, be really silly things like just going to the, to the park and you end up climbing a tree or something, you know, it can be, it can be anything, a bike ride, you know, just, it can be literally anything. And, and, and I, I love, you know, having fun with my kids, you know, hanging out with them. I, I think it's important to be friends with your kids, but not their mm. best friend. I think you need to have a certain hierarchy. There has to be a division between yeah. adult and child because otherwise, you know, you can get all kinds of issues. But, you know, just just the most mundane things can work out to be, to be really fun, you know. I mean, it is just the case of trying to keep the fun in everything you do, really. I am yeah, quite yeah. immature and a big kid, so, you know, it's quite easy for me to it do. It kind of helps, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it, 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 it makes things, like, if, if you're a bit strict... Uh, you know, if you're really sensible and really like strict and serious, like it, it, it can be different, right? But that's what yeah. other dads bring other things to the table, like in yeah. that sense, right? Totally. Um, but I, I, I think you know, I, you know, going on holiday and you know, playing on the beach and just you know, just hanging out and having fun, really. You know, it, it, it really is a pleasure to spend time with your kids, really. You know, mm. um, and and just 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 being there for them and sharing and you know, talking and going back to my dinner table anecdote, we get together, you know, every day, unless they're away or I'm away, which is not very often, but can happen. But uh, yeah, so just, you know, trying to trying to have fun with a day to day, really um, communicating and, 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 and being there for each other, really. So because they are teenagers now, aren't they? So well, the twins officially become teenagers uh, on the 31st of March of next year. Okay. <laughs> um, Sophia is 16 in February, which is unbelievable. Um, this year alone, she's been to New York and Berlin, as you do. Uh, yeah, can you, I know. Um, so, but she, she's, uh, she's growing up to be... A, a nice, well-rounded young young woman. Um, she's very. I think you'd be quite interested to talk to her, Steve. She's into the technical side of film and television, so cameras, oh, right. sound, and she's been accepted to uh, a local college to study uh, film and television production. Right. Uh, starting in September, but she's also applied to a, a, an institution in London called the London Screen Academy, which was set up by Handmade Films, which is um, George Harrison's film company that made Life for Brian and things like that. They've opened this uh, completely free uh, sixth form college in Highbury, very close to where you used to live. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And um, yeah, she's 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 interviewed and been to the workshop there, and she, she finds out in January if she's been accepted to there. So that's another option for her. Um, and they guarantee placements at um, very senior production houses or television channels, so BBC or mm -hmm. Sky or something like that. So she's super keen uh, on that. So she's kind of she's always been interested in that kind of thing, and at a very young age wanted to be a camera woman cameraman well camera operator um so yes that that's kind of her path that she's wow. uh she's choosing to take that's really cool um the twins uh sarah loves to cook and bake so she's thinking about things along those lines and emma wants to be an air stewardess 
And I said, why don't you want to be a pilot? And she said, I'm no good at maths. (laughs) (laughs) So she's already, she's already worked that out. But yeah, so, but they're, they're coming along nicely. They're good kids. They, they have their moments. Yes. They're they're pretty, they're pretty, you know, run of the mill kids, really. I'm, I'm like, rational i i'm i'm finding it difficult rationalizing with um josh who's now 13 mm-hmm. um like i i trying to have a conversation sometimes it's like okay like <laughs> we're talking riddles <laughs> it's like my goodness me like you know i mean yeah it it, it is just like and it's mentally exhausting for me I, yeah, I'm just like, oh my goodness me! Like, can we just like stop? <laughs> <laughs> um, and and sometimes, but I sometimes I'm just like, I just gotta, like, yeah, I just have to walk away. <laughs> yeah. I just I don't have the capacity to to deal with it. I just at yeah. that point in time, I could be like just carrying an extra load, things going on in in my world with life with work with me with just whatever and i just have to kind of walk away hmm. what about you are you the same you are there points where you just like cruise it's on you i can't i literally i can't do this as dad like this yeah. is just like out of my hands yeah totally a hundred percent a hundred percent i think everybody goes through that certainly with you know when they become teenagers etc cetera, etc cetera. There is a, there is a, they, they live in a different universe a lot of the times. And it's, it's a bit like a, a, is it a Venn diagram where you've got the circles? Oh, I know. Mate, you're asking me, you're the man who knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very important, very important to realize you don't know everything. How to make lots of money. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, don't know that. That's right. You, you got, you got all, you got your universe and their universe and occasionally like they overlap. Overlap. And, and, Think, yep. You know, once you get your head around that, the fact that they are living their own life and the fact that they are their own person, um, and that is tough because y- you become a dad, they come into your life, and then at any given moment, and you don't know when it is, there's a date where they start to drift away, but in the nicest mm. way possible. It's a very it's a very healthy thing because it, it means you've done your job to, mm. to a great extent. But there is a moment, and you don't know when it's going to happen. It could have happened already. It might never happen. But where they start to become independent of you, they're never independent of you. Of course, I can't. Not. I can't wait for that day, mate. <laughs> that day hasn't happened yet, and I am hanging on for when that's going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely, I swear to God, I'm like, <laughs> honestly, yeah, I just cannot wait. Yeah, yeah I'll let you. Yeah. I'll, let, I'll keep up that as to when that is. Any signs of happening on my side, um, but I. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, it it, it 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 happens, you know, and it some people really struggle with it. You know, lots of people have empty nest syndrome. I think women struggle with it maybe more mm. than men. But yeah, <laughs> that could be good old healthy misogyny kicking in there. But um, <laughs> yes, I think, yeah, it's very possible. It's highly but, possible. But there are moments when you go, I am talking to a wall cruise, I'm off down the pub. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Yes. Is, and then, and, and, and is, is there any guilt when you go to the pub? Is there no, any guilt? No, not when, I've, not, when, not when I've exhausted all avenues. And I don't go to the pub very often. And when I do go to the pub, it's not for very long. So no, no guilt at all. <laughs> no guilt at all. Okay. All right. I think, well, that, okay. I think well, the great 
The Great British Pub is an institution that should be celebrated across the world because when you get a good one, and I've got a good one here, they become therapy, they become fun, they become camaraderie. They be, you know, it's, yeah. it's really important. And it's not about going down there and getting legless, although that can happen accidentally. But, you know, it, it's a community. <laughs> it is a community. Do you find that actually that, like, just branching off a bit here, like, th that is a bit like... Um, it's like filling your cup, kind of being able to kind of be like, yeah, I'm going to go down to the pub for like, and, and Cruz, Cruz, I don't know if Cruz does this as well or whether she does it in a different form or different shape, whatever. Yeah. But for you, mm -hmm. um, is that like, you know, that chance for you to fill your cup again, be like, I can, I can just, I just need to like, I've got to decompress here a little bit. Yeah. Totally. That, that, that yeah. pub, because I think really. the British pub really, Hell, I, I feel my time in the UK was almost eight years, and I feel like you know, I literally could live in the pub these days. If I <laughs> <one here. laughs> um, so it's, maybe it's a good thing there's not one here, but like, <laughs> but I I feel like that it's got that uniqueness about it, mm. and it, and it, again, like you said, you don't go down there and get you don't have to go down there and like pound the pints, you can just sit no. there and you can no. just reflect and you can reflect yeah. with the barman or you can reflect with some dude who's just rolled in and he's just like doing the same shit and yeah. it could be like i feel like that's that's like therapy that's like totally. you know yeah like samaritans like there it is you know let's just yeah, like yeah. talk it out and let's just yeah or not talk it out but let's just you know talk about something which is totally not what's going on in my life right now you know a hundred percent a hundred percent and I think the random interaction with strangers is really important. I love being a dad and I love having a family, but sometimes your family drive you nuts. <laughs> you just have to <laughs> go and bump into someone in the pub and you find yourself talking about, you know, what colour you're going to paint your shed, you know, just yeah. random nonsense, you know, yeah, that doesn't exactly. mean anything. It's really. like, like, exactly what I need. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it is really, really important. And some, I'm not trivializing addiction and some people can't go to pubs because mm. they suffer with, you know, alcoholism or whatever, but they are, the, the, the British pub is a wonderful institution and mm. um, long may they continue. They're massively overpriced. I mean, I know Japan is not cheap, but you know, London well, is a lot cheaper than the UK. Way. I can tell you. <laughs> Don't start me on that. I'll tell you what my electricity bill was last January, but uh, yeah, oh, it was uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Why, why, why did you, Stu, why did you want to share your journey? I asked you to share your journey and you were like, I'd love to share my journey. What, what made you be like, yeah, I actually want to do this. I want to share it. I think firstly, uh, because it was you. Um, and you from afar, because obviously you, you live on the other side of the world to me, but you're always somebody that I was very fond of spending time with. I found likewise, you, likewise. Thank you. I found you, uh, to be a really amiable, fun guy who kind of got things the way they should be. You had a good sense of humor and you took things seriously when you needed to. I have very fond memories of being in a hotel room in Japan at four in the morning, you practicing your Japanese speech for the wedding the oh next day. God, you remember this. I do remember that. I don't think Gary would have remembered it because he was rather more over-refreshed than we were. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> And so because it was you, I didn't hesitate in any way, shape or form. Plus, um, you're, you're somebody that both myself and Cruz are very fond of 
and the way that you've gone about your business and the way that you've provided and brought your family up and supported Junko and Junko supported you to us it's a bit of an inspiration and a bit of a blueprint for how to to go about things because you know you two guys are are super parents and you know we 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 borrowed heavily from your playbook to use oh a, a, a sports term um so yeah congratulations to you and Junko well, because you're, you're wonderful people and, and, and equally wonderful parents well well I'm going to receive that because I think previously I wouldn't have, I would be like, ah, like, ah, you, whatever. But I'm, I'm, I think was one of the things that men don't do very well no. is receive compliments about what we do and how we do it. And as, as dads or as, as, as people walking this, the world. And so I'm going to receive that. And so thank you very much for that. Yeah. And I, and, and I'm, I will ride that um, because I think that, it's it's nice to hear it sometimes from you know from you know, people we know like 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 yeah. yourself um because it does carry weight and i think mm. that is something because uh it's 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 you know there's so many things going on in our world and 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 i appreciate it i really do appreciate it so thank you and and no, you're welcome. It, it's right back at you because i i feel like um, you know, such you are such a like awesome guy and a lovely guy that you know you, that's why I reached out to you because I was like, I I wonder whether Stu would be able to kind of share his journey, and I thought it's worth a shot because you know, and and you came back and I and I'm always thrilled when people say yes because I'm like. That's amazing. I think that like, you know, they've got a story to tell and they want mm -hmm. to tell it and they can, you know, people can, can relate to it. People can laugh at it. People can be seen by listening to it because of things mm -hmm. that have gone on in their world. Um, and they can be entertained by it. And I think that's actually, um, you know, really, really, uh, important as well. Mm. Um, if if someone like you, you've already given me the answer in, in, a, in a in a message here, but I want to kind of ask you because this is part of the questions here. Like if if there was a song, if they were to make a movie about your journey as dad, okay, yeah, and they they were like, okay, we we'll make a movie about you, Stu, and your journey um, as dad. What would be the theme song for this movie? So. The song, the song I gave to you, it's it's a song that's been covered many, 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 many times, and sung both in English and in Portuguese, and it's a, a song called "The Girl from Ipanema," which is a a, a a district of Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, and I've gone for the John Holt version. And for those of you who don't know who John Holt is, John Holt was a huge reggae star in the seventies from Jamaica. Mm. And I didn't know this at the time, but the biggest selling music in Jamaica ever is country and Western music. So people like Jim Reeves, etc., really? they knock it out of the park. And as a kid, I grew up with lots of kids whose parents had come from the West Indies, and they was all they would always have a copy of this record in their record collection. And every pub in the East End of London, which is the district I grew up in, 
had this on their jukebox, and it's John Holt's version of The Girl from Ipanema. Okay. Is that the one? Is that it? That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're looking. And and the the explanation for picking that song is yeah. when when the twins came along, yeah. I had to get rid of my. I loved my Volkswagen Golf. I had a lovely two door, two litre Volkswagen Golf. It was beautiful, and I had to trade it in for a quintessential dadmobile, which was a Volkswagen Touran seven seat. <laughs> It came with an optional extra of a beige jumper. That's just how boring this car was. I mean, it was an amazing car. We <laughs> loved it, and we had it for 10 years. But the kids would be strapped into their little car seats in the back, and we'd go off on one of our journeys. And I had a 1,000 Volts of Holt, which is the album that that song is on. Right. And one song that they all knew every word to was The Girl from Ipanema. So I think very fondly of those memories yeah, and the kids singing the song. Plus... It's a wonderfully delivered song and it's mellow and it's calm and it's consistent. And that's what I strive for my children's mm. childhood to be mellow, calm and consistent. So looking a bit deeper at it, that's really what I consider to be the theme song for my dad life. That's awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, let's go to the next one because it <laughs> like, because the next one is like, um, the the this is the song that takes you back to when it when you first became a dad. Yeah. Um which was you've got here, you've told me Foo Fighters learn to fly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, How, it's, so I I looked I looked back to when this came out. This is back in came back in nineteen ninety nine, this one came out. That's right, so, yeah. Um so can you um Enlighten, enlighten me as to why why this song. So, big Foo Fighters fan, still am. I think Dave Grohl. If I could be anybody, and I, I don't have, I'm not somebody that's jealous of other people, but I think he kind of he, he kind of lives life in the right way. I think being Dave Grohl for a day would be very cool. Um, he seems <laughs> to get. He's, he's, he seems to get things right, doesn't he? he? He's cool and he's he's edgy, but he's also a very, very consistent dad. He's a, he's, a, he's a good dad to his children. But going back to my anecdote about the bicycle and the bright summer's day in London, um, this, al this album was played a lot in the house at the time, and this song in particular, the video is hilarious if you've never seen the video. Yeah, I, I'm watching the video right now, actually, yeah. Right, yeah, Jack Black and Carl, et cetera, and they're hiding the contraband in the coffee machine. But just the opening lines, the opening lines are, run and tell all of the angels this could take all night. I think I need a devil to help me get things right. I don't think there's a better way of summing up how I felt on that day because if you remember, I locked my bike and boom, there it was. Yeah. And I think this song, in a really fun and positive way, was kind of summing up my mindset at that time. This is an amazing piece of information I've just been handed, but boy, is it going to change the rest of my life. <laughs> and so... For sure. It, it, in a fun way, this this uh, this this was the song that was in my head in a lot of ways, but in particular on that day because it it was it was life changing, life changing news. Mm, it was, yeah, absolutely. Is it like? Do you think that like 
I mean, it's kind of, I think I might know the answer to this question, but has it made you more empathetic, you think, being, being a dad, becoming a dad? Um, it's so, I've always had quite a bit of empathy. I work with people and children in particular. I, lo- I love working with kids because I think kids respond well to that word again, consistency and, mm. you know, being, being you know, measured. Um, I didn't understand what being a parent was really until I became one. So I have a lot more empathy for other parents. Like, for example, we became the family that you didn't want to sit next to on an aeroplane. Now, I don't care who you are. Everybody has sat at that departure lounge, has sat in the gate waiting to get on the plane, and they arrive. Three kids, one's screaming, one's vomiting, one's obnoxious, and you've got a 14-hour flight, and you're like, I don't want to sit next to them. So that 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 became who I I, I became that family, and I've never experienced that ever in my life. <laughs> Actually, my kids are very good travellers, and have never been a problem. That's a massive lie. Of course, every kid is a problem on an aeroplane. But um, yeah, so I had a bit more empathy uh, along those lines. Yes, yeah, certainly. But yeah, yeah uh, I, I always I've always been quite empathetic, if that's the right word. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, let's finish up with one thing here. One more is if you yeah. like, if there's any advice that you would uh, offer out to any any dad, any new dads, or even dads who are like down the line, like myself, I'm always I'm always keen to hear this because I think it's something that sometimes we can just hold on to. Think like, yeah, that's actually that's what I need to do, or that's a great piece of advice. What is there any advice that you could give to? Um, Either dads who are who are out there who are struggling, or not yeah. struggling, um, yeah. um, and even the mums because the mums, uh, my my listenership is like sixty percent mums because right. the mums want to work out how the dad what how the dads are yeah. trying to understand their husbands because yeah. uh, that's that's some of the some of the challenges right yeah but what what would you what would you say if there was advice that you could dish out. Yeah. What would that be? I think for anybody, male or female, but anybody, I think the best piece of advice I can give to anybody is firstly to be your own best friend. You've got to be your own best friend. Look after yourself. Make good decisions. We don't always make good decisions. Make good decisions and be your own best friend. I think it's really important for your own mental health and for your own, you know, family that you are your own best friend. You've mm-hmm. got to look after yourself. That's first and foremost. Secondly is is communicate if you can. I know it's not easy but for lots of men and women, but men in particular, is to communicate. Sometimes we don't want to talk about certain things, but, you know, there are people out there where you can speak anonymously, where you can speak to people that don't know you. You know, you mentioned them earlier, people like the Samaritans, Everyman, people like that. Um, get a dinner table. It's important. Get around the dinner table. Make sure you share your life and your your food with mm-hmm. your family. I think if you don't have a dining table or a communal area where you can eat together, you need to because that's vital in, mm-hmm. in, in any family's existence, in my opinion. And just don't take things too seriously. Do you know what I mean? Life is crushingly hard. It is unbelievably difficult. But it can be amazing fun. And you've 
you've got to try as hard as you can not to take things too seriously because, you know, you're going to drive yourself mad if you do that. And I think all of those link in together, really. Oh, they do. They absolutely do. You know, looking after yourself, asking for help if you need it, offering help if you think somebody needs it, because that's yeah. another thing. Lots of people, oh, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get involved, and oh, I'm really sorry, and oh, I should have done more. The answer to every question you don't ask is always no. So why not ask the question? Because you might get lucky and somebody accepts your offer of help. Mm. Um, and and just just be. As my kids, my my middle daughter, we had these memory stones in lockdown, and it was a big thing in our community. You wrote messages on these stones to the NHS. Right. Um, my middle daughter, a very simple message, and it just said, "Be kind." And mm. I think that resonates throughout life. Be nice, and you know you'll be amazed what comes back at you. If you resonate positivity, mm. you might get the odd dickhead is negative but the overwhelming majority of human beings will reciprocate in kind so be positive be nice communicate and and you know look after each other and look after yourself most importantly i yeah. think that's absolutely yeah. vital I, I wholeheartedly agree with that man i yeah. like uh, the looking after oneself um mentally and physically uh got i feel like that's a that's a it's a package deal right there. Yeah. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm a big promoter of this because I, I think that I, I didn't, I didn't do that. People who yeah. listen to the podcast know that I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Yeah. I look after myself for 11 years. Um, yeah. and like, and it's just, you know, I, I kind of think, I, I think back to, I think it was, I was lucky in a way that I, I had the case of I burnt myself out. I didn't, mm. and and I, that was when I kind of hit the bottom. And yeah. I think that was lucky because I think that sometimes, um, you know, I, if if that hadn't happened, uh, I don't know. I don't know where I would have gone. I sure. would have just, you know, continued on and yeah, just a journey that would have gone. I don't know, and it wouldn't have benefited anyone. And it definitely no. wouldn't have benefited myself. Um, no. And uh, and so I think self love, which is something that I would have like even you know yeah three years ago I would have like those words come out of my mouth I wouldn't have known what they meant. No. Um, and self compassion, hmm. um, self understanding, um, because if we if we can understand how we are understand what our what our body's telling us and how mm. we're feeling if we can understand that and try and listen to what our body's actually telling us yeah that is massive that Absolutely. is just huge and i think that um again a lot, a lot uh, some men are, are not very good at this um at kind of listening to kind of when we need to go on you know when we need to go to the doctor because mm. you know Men are worse than worse seeing the doctor than than women are, um, but yeah, there's a whole lot there that I'm not going to go into because we 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 are at the end here, Stu, and and yeah. I am just so glad to have you on here and for you to you know share it because 
Uh, it's just it's I've, it's made me laugh. It's made me reflect. It's made me um, think more about being a dad, which I think is yeah. always a good thing. And that's sure. about you know how I can how I can be better, what I can do better, yeah. how I can look after myself better, um, how I can communicate better. Mm-hmm. Um, all those things that it, it allows me to think about that again and reassess and reflect and. And uh, so thank you, Stu, for coming on, man. It's been amazing. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've, I've enjoyed pre- preparing for it and talking about the questions with my kids and, and, and the wife and whatever. But you're one of those people, uh, Steve, in my life where if I don't see you for 10 years, um, we pick up where we left off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. You've, you've got, I totally got, agree with you. Kind yeah. of character. And, and, I, and I think credit to you, credit to Junko, both your boys, you know, would love from afar watching them, you know, grow up and pictures. Who who knew you would be the father of such an amazing dancer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yep. They, they, <laughs> those who were on the Instagram page would have seen that one. I, I, that's uh, that's a great one there. But um, uh, no, I've yep. thoroughly enjoyed it, and more power to your elbow for doing this, Steve, because it's very important that men in particular, but everybody really, but men in particular. Mm learn to communicate, learn to be kind to themselves and, and and be the dads for their kids because, you know, if you're not looking after yourself, you can't look after others. So it's really important that, that, that men look after themselves physically, mentally, in all ways and keep communicating. And next time you're in London, let's go to one of those lovely London pubs. You bet. And it's on me. <laughs> it's on me. Not one. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Awesome. Thanks, Stu. Thank you so much, mate. No problem. A pleasure.